Welcome to What That Means with Camille, companion episodes to the In Technology podcast. In this series, Camille asks top technical experts to explain, in plain English, commonly used terms in their field, then dives deeper, giving you insights into the hottest topics and arguments they face. Get the definition directly from those who are defining it. Now, here is Camille Moorhart. I'm very excited to cover what that means, sustainable compute, with Michelle Chupersert. She's a senior director of sustainable compute. She's actually responsible for the client sustainability roadmap and strategy. And she's also co-lead for an initiative across Intel that I will ask her a little bit about. It's the Carbon Neutral Global Challenge Working Group, which is internal to Intel, but something that she's co-leading. So welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thank you so much, Camille. So glad to be here. So we're on what that means. And this is very easy for me because I'm relatively new to this sustainability topic. So I would actually like to start, can you define what is sustainability and then define what is compute so that we can then put the two together and understand what is sustainable compute? (laughs) So sustainability in terms of a PC, uh, I would think about the emissions or the equivalent carbon emissions across the life cycle of the PC. So it's all about what emissions that you had in the manufacture of the PC and then the operation of the PC. And then lastly, thinking about what happens at the end of life of that PC. Does it get traded in? Does it get recycled? Or what sustainable thing happens there? So that's how I think about the sustainability. Compute's an interesting question. What does compute mean for a PC? I think I would define it as how much work a PC can do that the the user wants done. Very succinct. Thank you. (laughs) Possibly the most succinct definition I've ever gotten on this show. So let me ask then of those, you kind of went through the life cycle for a computer from, I think what you said was build, operate. Well, I heard build and operate. Was there a third one? So it's the manufacturer, the operation, and then the end of life. And so recycling or refurbishing. Okay, so which one of those, I was going to ask which one is the most um, carbon footprint intensive, but obviously the recycling yeah. isn't really part of that equation. Is it the building and that entire sourcing and process, extraction, et cetera, or is it the actual running of the PC? That is such a great question. So it varies on whether it's a notebook computer or a desktop computer or a server. Server's a whole different story, but if you look at the client PC, a notebook computer, it's usually about 85% in the manufacture, and it's only about 15% during the operation. Uh, But a desktop PC is different. A desktop is closer to 50-50 as Hmm. far as the operation versus the manufacture of it. And that's because the desktops are running uh, just a lot more electricity through them? They do generally have higher performance levels, so yes. But I really think this is because we've been optimizing notebook computers for so many years because of battery life. Hmm. And we've been really, really successful as an industry. And so now we've done a great job on that. I don't think as an industry, we really realized from a sustainability point of view, how much impact the manufacturer had. And so we're, we're just starting to get smart and realize that that's the next thing that we should be looking at. That is really interesting. It's sort of a positive unintended consequence, I guess, for optimizing for battery life. Yes, So let me actually pause there and ask about batteries because they kind of have a bad reputation. We'll hear how they're absolutely required as we move into renewables. 
from an energy consumption perspective. But on the other hand, batteries get a bad rap. So how should we consider them? My biggest opinion is that we need to make sure that we're choosing a long life battery and that we as consumers, either it's consumer or a business, are purchasing the PC with a long life battery so that it incentivizes that in the manufacturer. But then also let's get the recycling going on the batteries. And I think we're seeing with more use of the electric vehicles, there's going to be more demand and more recycling for that same kind of material. And so I'm really, really optimistic about the recycling growing on the battery area. So when you say long life uh, battery, you're when I think of long life, I think, okay, so my laptop's going to last eight hours instead of four. You're talking about how long a life cycle over the course of years a battery might have how long it'll last essentially? How many charge cycles? So how many times can you charge and discharge that? So 500 cycles, uh, 750 cycles, like some numbers like that would be how many you want to have. And so there are some regulations around that as far as minimums. And then there's uh, incentives. So on some of the eco labels that are out there, you get extra points if you can have a longer life battery that has more cycles like that. Hmm. Okay. So talk about, uh, you said one of the most important things is to second life uh, as you end of life, your PC. Can you just tell us what that is and who benefits from it outside of the environment? Oh, absolutely. Well, two things I would say. One is we want to keep PCs out of the landfill. So first off, there's precious materials in the PC. I don't know if a lot of us realize, and I know I didn't realize as we got into it, there's gold, there's silver, there's copper, there's all kinds of precious minerals that are in the PC. So we want to make sure that we can recover those and reuse them in some way rather than have to mine new materials. So first off, that's really important. But secondly, when you think about the PC and you want it to have the longest life, many of us Maybe we need our PC for three years or five years or some number of years, and then we're ready for a new one. But there may very well be somebody else that would want that PC. And so we want to make sure that we've designed it so that it's very easy to waterfall either in a business. You can waterfall from one user to the next uh, or in a family. It could be from a parent to a child or you can end up donating. And so uh, there's a lot of people, especially now with many of us working from home and doing school from home, there's more and more need for more PCs in a household. And so the more that we can trade in a PC or donate a PC, that puts it in the hands of someone else who can give that a second life. You know, at an individual level, I bet you there's uh, not a kid in a household that's full of electronics that doesn't know what the word waterfall means, you know, by now. Um, if they're growing up in a house that is lucky enough to have multiple electronics that maybe waterfall to them. But, you know, this is a smaller scale than, say, a giant corporation or even a medium-sized corporation that's maybe on a standard refresh cycle of every three years for PCs, where I know a lot of people who run their PCs sort of into the ground on an individual level at home. But in a business, you know, you're often refreshing so that you can get kind of optimal performance and the PC may still be just fine, like you're saying, for a different kind of a use case. Mm-hmm. But here's the conundrum. I've heard IT departments that, you know, literally take a hammer or a screwdriver and drill through that PC because they're worried that they don't actually have assurance that the data is fully deleted. We've all seen like 
the computer is completely dead, doesn't turn on, it's a total brick, and your IT department saves the day and recovers all your data. So that same happiness on one side is just kind of a constant fear on the other if you're going to hand the device over. So is there anything that's come up more recently that actually helps people feel like secure in passing along a PC, especially if it's got IP on it that you may be responsible for? <laughs> I'm just imagining the hammer and <laughs> uh, drilling a nail through the, the SSD. Uh, there are more and more software that makes it possible. So I, I feel really good about where the industry has gone as far as that goes. So first of all, there's a standard that's through NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology. It's a 888R01. I don't know a lot of standards, but that one is so important that the number is always in my head. If somebody is doing a uh, erase to the system that's compliant to that spec, you can feel really good about it. And what's really nice about that spec is that it describes different ways to do the erase, but then also about a log or, or some way to show later that you logged and you kept track of whether you followed that. So from a business point of view, if they really feel like they need to keep track of it and they're worried about it, just making sure that they're doing their erase compliant to that is a, a really smart way to go. If you think about it from a consumer point of view, more and more solutions are available to make this really easy for a user. So for example, if I ran my PC into the ground, like you were saying, Camille, and now I, I want to see how could I donate it and uh, maybe it could get refurbished or recycled, I can just use software in the OS, for example. If you're using Windows, you can just do the return to factory settings and it's very likely that would meet my needs. I have checked in the past and consumer reports and the FTC, they give advice to people on what they should do. And their their first advice is use those capabilities like the factory uh, reset offered by either Windows or the OEM. And then there's some other software available in the industry if you want to use it to do that erase. But if you want to go even further, you can make sure your solution is compliant to that NIST standard and then log it. And, and that's even a step above and beyond. Okay, so talk to me about planned obsolescence. This is something that I, I think everybody is kind of familiar with in the broad appliance and or electronic space, right? This concept that something is at the very least not designed to last as long as it could because some element in it might fail sooner. And that's maybe okay with the manufacturer because they're hoping that somebody will buy a new device. Where is the world, or at least where is the compute world with respect to that concept? And how are we factoring that in? Yeah, uh, there's like, there's a big story about that in light bulbs. When I look at it in, in terms of the PC, this idea about refresh, whenever we survey users on their purchase preferences, usually performance comes up first. And so I think we have this natural alignment we have consumers saying they want to buy on performance. And then, of course, we're happy to sell on performance as well. And so it creates that natural life cycle. But there's definitely things that the industry can do to help make sure you maximize the life of the PC. So at least you don't want to have anything fail early that then shortens it even less than what you wanted. So for example, a cracked display. Like you want to make sure that if the display cracks on your PC, it's easy to repair. Or, for example, the battery, as you had asked about batteries earlier, if the battery has gone through all those cycles, you don't want to have to replace your PC. It's better just to replace the battery. 
And a lot of us don't even realize that uh, these days the our PCs, a lot of them are so thin, it's actually not hard to get the battery out. And most of the uh, manufacturers have a video on how to unscrew not very many screws. You can take it out. You can get a new battery and put that back in there. So my general takeaway would be that across the industry, we're looking at what are those ways to maximize the life of the PC. I'm also seeing more and more innovation around the business model. So just, for example, when we were thinking about the waterfall, as a consumer, I might not be very educated on how to waterfall my PC when I'm done with it, because I, I only do it once every three years or once every five years. However, if I were to use one of these uh, PC as a service models, where it's more like I'm leasing my PC, then it's so easy, right? When I'm done with it, it just goes back to whoever I'm leasing from, and they do this all day long. And so they can very easily uh, either waterfall to somebody new or donate it to a charitable organization, and then it gets another life. What is the part of a PC, and you're probably going to tell me it differs from laptop to desktop, but what is the part of a PC that is the biggest, that has the biggest carbon footprint? It's the motherboard. So the, hmm. the motherboard is the, it, the component in there with all the, it has the, um, the CPU on there. It has a, a lot of the different devices, the memory, a lot of the things that are on there. And the material itself that that motherboard is made from is quite high in what they call it is embodied carbon. Hmm. So that is it. The number one thing that we can do uh, is to look at that motherboard and make it smaller, make it simpler so that it's a easier to manufacture. It doesn't require as many cutouts and then see what we can do with the components there. And if we can consolidate 50 components into 30 components, then they take less space. And then hmm. that helps reduce the carbon footprint there. I thought you were going to say the minerals that were going into it, that you were listing some of them before, like the precious metals, mm. but you're saying, no, it's something else. It's the size of the motherboard. Can you explain why? The material of the motherboard itself goes through quite a few steps in the manufacturing. And so all of those steps take energy. And so mm. that adds up. And then the cutting of it all takes energy. Some of those minerals I mentioned are also in the motherboard because it has these layers in there and the connections between components are in the different layers of that. So some of those materials are in there too. But as a whole, as a designers, a computer design team, if we just think about the motherboard itself, how to reduce the size of it, how to reduce the number of components on it and make that board simpler, that's uh, far and away the quickest way to, to reduce that embedded carbon as a design team. Are, are you looking at hardware exclusively or are you looking at this kind of leading edge concept of integrating software development with hardware development? I don't think that developers of software have really had in mind, I'll say for the most part, this kind of optimization for energy efficiency or sustainability when it comes to the hardware. Is that something that you're engaged with now? There's really great emerging areas. First off, we are very fortunate that a lot of the work that the software developers have done around performance and performance per watt, like, again, maximizing the battery life of a notebook computer, that's good for sustainability. So, in fact, many software developers have uh, expertise in this, and they maybe didn't even realize that it was a sustainability benefit. But beyond that, now there's more creative things we can do. Just, for example... As more and more people are using renewable energy, 
there's more renewable energy on the grid during certain times of day. Certain times during the day, there's a lot of solar energy available. And in the evenings, generally, there's a lot of wind energy available on the grid. And so as a software developer, if you could think about, can you give the user an option so that the PC would charge when all that renewable energy is on the grid? How great would that be? They call that contextual charging Mm -hmm. as an idea. Um, Or could you shift when certain work happens? Uh, If it's your uh, patching or your virus scan or other things that need to happen on your PC, can you shift when that happens during the day so that it's when the the cheapest energy is available and that renewable energy? So I think there's uh, more and more emerging ideas that uh, we can do together in partnership with the software developers building on that expertise that maybe they didn't even know they had. That's very cool. Time for a rebrand. I'm I'm not just a software. I'm a sustainable. <laughs> okay. Um, there you go. So so let me ask you just a little bit about your co-lead of this carbon neutral global challenge. I don't actually think we've covered what is carbon neutral. I did a what that means with John Miranda on carbon neutral compute right. a number of months ago. So we do have that definition. But if you could kind of redefine that and then talk about you know what this program is you're working on. Thank you so much. We have a global challenge that uh, we're executing it across the industry on how to get to carbon neutral computing. And so the idea would be, how do you reduce the emissions that you have as much as you can directly through things we talked about today, through the energy sources that you have, investing in renewable energy, et cetera. So how can you reduce your direct emissions as much as you can? And then whatever you can't reduce then you can offset that. So your your offsets could be uh, contributions you're making towards uh, more renewable energy in the industry or uh, planting trees. People think about a lot, hopefully looking at things that are very durable. So uh, hopefully that makes sense as far as uh, the carbon neutral. And so this working group, and I, I've worked with John in the past on this working group, and he's been an, a really fabulous partner we were looking at how can we as an industry look across the data center, look across the clients, uh, look across how we're partnering around regulations and standards and what we're doing with our, our customers across all of those vectors to help go towards carbon neutral computing. And is that the same thing as green compute? I mean, carbon neutral seems like a more specific thing than green. Can you identify the difference there or is it just kind of a bunch of different terms in a similar area? I think green compute, I I don't know if I've seen a real definition about it. It it seems like that would just be a term people use in the overall concept about how can we be more sustainable. Okay. Whereas carbon neutral is literally trace the carbon footprint of a device across its life cycle and then reduce that footprint as much as you can at every stage of that process, including end of life it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. And then offset what you can't do. That's right. right. And then offset what you can't do. Okay. What other major question have I left off when just coming up to speed here on client, which is desktop and notebook traditionally, um, computing and sustainability? I think we could talk a little more maybe about repair. Repair is something that more and more users are interested in. And the OEM and the computer manufacturers, uh, we're all innovating around that area. And so some of the things you can do in repair can help you to maximize the life of your PC and then waterfall within your family. So I thought I would share uh, a great 
example of this, and it's with Framework PC. So uh, Framework PC, if you haven't checked it out, um, this is a company that is making a very modular and sustainable and great performing PC. And so you can swap in and out four different modules on a laptop. And so you can configure, for example, if you wanted more USB-C ports, you can swap one out and put in more USB-C ports. Or if you need USB-A or if you want to put a little storage uh, I.O. on there, you can do that, too. And so one thing that excites me so much about this, besides the configurability, which I think we all enjoy, and repairability, which we enjoy, I think about in my own household how when I'm done with that PC, I can switch it out and make it more appropriate for my son who does gaming all day long. And so he's always needing more storage on there so that he can uh, put his, his Steam library and uh, his other gaming libraries on there. So I could reconfigure the, the system using these modular I.O. to make it more effective to waterfall within my own family. So I'm so excited about these ideas that uh, allow us to waterfall in our family and then to be able to uh, trade in at the end of life. Well, Michelle Chupersert, thank you so much. Senior Director for Client Sustainability, the Roadmap and Strategy, and also co-lead for a carbon neutral computing initiative within Intel. I know we've interacted at times over the years and it's been really great to catch up with you and learn from you about this really interesting topic. Thank you so much, Camille. It's been a pleasure and really nice catching up with you. Stay tuned for the next episode of In Technology and follow at Tom M. Garrison and Camille at Morehart on Twitter to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and author and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Intel Corporation. Intel Corporation.